This is the Thin Space Podcast. My name is Evan Chasteen, and I host this podcast alongside Jody and Larry Green from Cloudwalk Ministries. Today, Jody leads us off with a quick introduction to Jane Redmond. Well, welcome, Jane, to the Thin Space Podcast. We're thrilled to have you join us as together we prepare our hearts, our minds, and souls for Advent the arrival of the most important person ever in my estimation, Jesus. I wanna take just a moment to introduce you to our Thin Space community listening today. Jane lives in Boston, Massachusetts and works currently with the Episcopal Diocese of Massachusetts. Um, From what I've learned, Jane's devoted most of her life to pondering and sharing with others the heart of God for his people. She's a retreat leader, a pastoral minister, spiritual director, theologian, and writer. In our conversations together, we discovered that Jane was on staff at the Catholic Student Ministry at the University of Wisconsin-Madison when I was a student there. Jane, we would have probably been at the same mass at some point over those four years, which is kind of blowing my mind. (laughs) Today, Jane is with us to help us prepare for the arrival of Jesus, to recalibrate our hearts, to engage over the four weeks of Advent and beyond in a deeper understanding of the impact of God with us on our lives today. Jane, I have a couple of notes from a past Advent retreat you offered in 2019 that I'd like to share as a starting point, if I may. The retreat was titled Awaken Advent, Living God's Patience and God's Impatience. Advent challenges our impatience and invites us to enter into God's patience. It is the season of taking the long view, the view beyond our own small range of vision. If we are to hear the good news that God is Emmanuel, God with us, we may have to slow down. Often God speaks very softly in ordinary ways and places in the daily events of our lives. If the good news is to take root in us, we need to enter God's time, God's timetable. Advent, unlike Christmas, is not a flashy season. It takes time for good news to sink in, for love to grow, for wisdom to ripen, for lives to be transformed, for truth to dawn in us, and for hope to blossom. So in Advent, the season of waiting for Jesus, we take the good news slowly, steadily, lighting candles one at a time, adding a new insight, a layer of understanding every week and every day. Yet Advent is also a time to enter God's impatience, a time of righteous anger, a time when prophets challenge our apathy and paralysis and urge us forward. It is a season of visions and yearnings in which the stories and songs in the scriptures speak of a God who longs to transform our hearts, our society, and creation itself. Soon, now, urgently. So as we start our conversation, Jane, just where where do you sense we should just enter in here? Um, 
Well, maybe explaining what Advent is as a season for folks who are not familiar with it. There are many parts of the Christian family, and some of us in the worldwide Christian family belong to more liturgical churches. That means churches that operate with more of a calendar and observation of the seasons and a worship that is more sacramental. And some of us come from the more free church traditions, so-called, where uh, there's less of a kind of unified calendar of seasons and biblical readings. So we could do a little history and then go back to what you were reading about the mood and themes of Advent. So does that make sense to talk about first what Advent is? Yes, yes, absolutely. All right. So let me let me start with context and our context, by which I mean that the month of December or late November to December in our culture in the U.S. is a, a kind of bright and flashy and noisy season, right, in the, the world of commercial consumption and sort of waiting for the great time of gift giving. Uh, gift giving is a good thing. But the original Christian history of Advent is a preparing for the great feast of Christmas, which is the commemoration of the nativity of Jesus Christ, of his birth. And it's not flashy, as Jody was reading. In a way, it's quite countercultural because uh, it's what I call the seasonal slowdown. So, uh, and that's a good shorthand to, to remember if you want a, a shorthand of Advent. Advent isn't only that, um, but, you know, it's a time when probably because here in the Northern Hemisphere, the days are getting darker. It's a time of lights all over the streets. I live in a big city. So, you know, we've got lights on the trees and there's also lights in the stores and big flashy displays. And what are you going to get uh, for your loved ones? And what can we put on sale? Advent is a time of preparation for the great feast. It's not the feast itself. And in the more liturgical churches, by which I mean in the East, Eastern tradition, the Eastern Orthodox churches, in the West, the Roman Catholic, Episcopal, Lutheran, and occasionally other traditions in the Protestant churches, um, but not all the Protestant churches, there is a tradition observing seasons. I can go later if you're interested into how the season started. They didn't start with Christmas. Okay, let me just say that. They started with Easter, the celebration of the resurrection. That was the first major celebration for Christians. And then was the celebration of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And Christmas showed up a few centuries later. And Advent is the time before so it's a time that has a double focus on waiting for Christmas, so slowing down, helping us be receptive to what it means that God is with us in space and in time. And it's also been traditionally a time for looking toward or longing for the final fulfillment 
in all of creation. And people use different words for that, the second coming, the messianic era, the end of time. An important thing to remember for both of these is that uh, it's not just an individual, Jesus and me, sort of waiting. It's a communal waiting. It's a collective waiting. And one of the reasons that the more liturgical traditions are liturgical and have season seasons and read the same readings every day all over the country and all over the world is um, so that we can have more of a sense of being the body of Christ at prayer and of being an expectant people and also remembering that the revolutionary presence of Jesus is not only for individuals, but for the, the healing of the world. So that's a bit of history. Feel free to ask me more. Let me just get on to the mood a little bit, and then we can go from there. Thank you, Jody. by the way, and thank you all for um, Jody and Larry and Evan for welcoming me uh, to this podcast. What you read, Jody, thank you for lifting those words out of one of my retreat descriptions. The patience and impatience of God is a, a kind of shorthand that came to me, gosh, in the 1970s, uh, a while back when I was in my 20s, when I was in divinity school, actually, because both of those things are present during Advent. Advent is a good time to think about our relationship to time and our relationship to space. But let's talk about time first, right? Very rushed society. Things have been a bit different for us or sometimes a lot different during the pandemic in that for some folks, there's been less physical rushing around. So it's been an opportunity to slow down. But there is still, particularly now when people are coming out of their houses into the streets a little bit more and into public places, still that kind of we're looking back with nostalgia and we're looking ahead with anticipation. And both of those are important because memory and hope are, uh, I call them the twin engines of the biblical traditions. But it's also a time that can slow us down to mindfulness in the present and being aware of where we are in the present, telling the truth about it, asking for the healing that we need, asking for the peace and justice in the world that we long for. Those are things that are better done when we've slowed down a little bit. It doesn't mean that we can't long for them and ask for them in a rush. We can long for them anywhere and anytime. But there's a slowdown, there's a waiting and expectation, hope, longing. Uh, we'll talk a little bit later about the Advent wreath, I hope, and you can ask me about that um, because that kind of marks the time, even though it's not a tradition everybody observes. Um, but let me talk about the impatience of God, um, because that is sometimes overlooked in Advent. Traditionally, the readings of Advent, the readings that are assigned for Sunday from both Testaments of the Bible, 
are readings of joy and expectation. And they've also got all kinds of urgent, often scary kinds of readings that say, hey, folks, shape up, wake up, change your lives. And that's not just a conversion in the head. It's change your behaviors, look at what the world is doing. Uh, And that's God's impatience. And that's where righteous anger can enter in. It can be the longing for all manner of justice and healing. And that is a very strong theme as well in Advent. Let me stop here. I've given you a few themes pell-mell, and I've probably forgotten some, but I'd rather have you pick some things out of what I said and then ask me some questions, anything you want. Well, thank you, Jane. I will make a comment because, again, I had the same reaction to very aware of the patience of God, the slowing down. I think I think where I've been um, joyfully awakened is this impatient side of God, which if I'm honest, I've felt not only in Advent, but in other seasons. And, um, and I just love the beautiful way you, you explain that, you know, um, a time where God is saying, how did you shape up, wake up, change your lives? I've heard God say that to me many times over the past 20 years that I've been aware of it, but I just, I don't know, that's, that's kind of awakened something in me when it comes to this mm-hmm. season. I don't know how Larry and Evan feel um, on hearing that maybe for the first time you guys. So. Yeah. The, the patience and impatience and paradox that both can be happening simultaneously is an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. What comes to mind is the aura et labora, the prayer and work. Uh, the prayer being the patient work of God, and then the work of the hands, the action that comes from this place of contemplation is the impatience, the wake up. Uh, I think you said, I, I love that terminology. And whenever I hear it, there is something inside of me that's like, oh yeah, there you were sleeping, like wake up to the now, the present moment. And there's always something so beautiful in the present moment uh, when those words are said and when they're said from somebody else in a setting like these, these liturgical settings you're, you're mentioning, oftentimes there's sounds and smells that go along with the wake, wake up. It's, a, it's an awakening of all of the senses, uh, mm-hmm. not just the mind uh, to what's going on in this season. Let me just say, and then I, I'd love to hear from Larry about this too, that um, the, the wake up, uh, shape up is, I'm just quoting John the Baptizer and the prophets of ancient Israel. And if you read or listen to the Gospels, that's exactly what he's saying. In the Gospels is, yo, people, wake up, shape up. And he and Jesus did not get that out of nowhere. They got that from their Jewish tradition and from centuries of prophets who again and again asked people, including rulers, to wake up. And prophet in the biblical tradition does not mean primarily a soothsayer, uh, a predictor, although there's some of that. Prophet is always a social critic. A prophet is an ethical uh, trumpet player, (laughs) you know, Uh, a call to action, a call to change sort of person. So 
so I wanted to say that, that, you know, I didn't get that out of nowhere, the, the words the, the Holy Spirit and maybe some of my training gave me, but they, you know, they, they come honestly from ancient tradition that we carry with us as Christians. And then in the ora et labora, which is a Latin phrase of pray and work, meaning pray and work, that is the uh, one of the mottos of the Benedictine monastic tradition. I would also say, Evan, that you're absolutely right. And there's a paradox, we can reverse that, in that our prayer can be very urgent. You know, the aura part is, I mean, how many times have any of us gone, oh, help me, Jesus, um, or however we happen to do that in our own vocabulary, in our own lives. And the labora, the work part, can be very slow, right? Because creating change, you know, whether it's legislative change to pass a law that will help people who are destitute and poor, or, you know, raising children, which is those of you who have children and grandchildren and foster children will know is, you know, this is long, patient work. And, you know, or the work of building a house with Habitat for Humanity, you know, that's not, you don't snap your fingers, right? So there's a kind of snap or slap, uh, wake up. Uh, but the work, uh, there's work by the grace of God always in being transformed, uh, even though some of us may have sudden conversion experiences, the living of it is uh, not a hasty thing. And it's layer upon layer of hearing the word of God and trying to do God's will. Anyway, enough from me for now, Larry. What are your thoughts on Jody and Evan were inviting us to about patience and impatience or anything that has come to your mind? Well, I, I just, you know, hearing you, Jane, talk about some of the history of this and what is Advent and um, just the, you know, the explanation, the basic explanation of, of what it is all about. I'm just sitting here listening to that. First of all, I'm just like, wow, Jane, what a gift to have you with us. That's the first reaction. And then, you know, there, there are a lot, and you alluded to this, but there are, there are a number of people that will be listening to this that really, it's like, so what is Advent? Right. You know, there, there are those that, that clearly, you know, are very, very familiar with it and have walked in it, but there are a number of us that are like, so what is this all, really all about? I mean, I've heard the word, but I don't, don't really know what it means. And, and just kind of what's on my heart is, is we're sharing here in all these various aspects of it is, you know, how is, how is God wanting to introduce us as we're listening to this, you know, for the first time? How does, what is he inviting us into personally? You know, what, what is it that, if this is new to us, what is it that he's stirring in us? If this is not new to us and something we've done, you know, in community for years, then, you know, what is, what is the newness of the invitation that he has before us? So, so that's kind of what's what's on my heart, and and I just love the you know the, you know I know it's going to be so much fun to see how this un, this conversation unfolds because we're going to touch on 
so many aspects because there are so many aspects of what does it there really are. mean to prepare yeah. ourselves, yeah. you know, uh, and what does it mean for the Holy Spirit to prepare us for, right. for this season that we're entering into. So that's, those are just a few thoughts. Yeah. So, but thank you, Jane, for being with us. Um, it's my great pleasure and honor. And thank you for opening us up with that question of where this particular podcast conversation is calling us. I think one of the things that can be helpful, whether the idea of a Christian season, a liturgical season is new to us or it's familiar, and I'm really glad that you mentioned both, is, um, you know, it's okay to latch on to one thing or one idea or one theme. Advent has a, it's kind of a complex of themes that go together, but never hesitate to pick just one, particularly if the Holy One, if God is particularly speaking to your heart through one of them, follow that. You know, I often say that also in terms of prayer. I One of the books I've written is a, a book on prayer and daily life, When in Doubt Sing. And part of my point and invitation in writing the book and in teaching, inviting people to prayer, is that there is not one way of praying. You know, our, our life situations are different. The traditions of prayer that we've inherited in the Christian tradition are varied. And we are in different seasons and different moods. And it's fine to pick a thread and follow that thread. It's not the only thread or the only little stream in the great river that is our tradition. If you want to use another image, uh, pick the one that works for you. So uh, I think that's, that's important, first of all. So if any of you out there are either, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming, where do I start? Or is, ah, been there, done that. Um, in both cases, you can pick a thread. Did the image of God's patience and God in patience speak to you? Does seasonal slowdown speak to you? Does the fact that Advent is uh, collective and communal speak to you? back in time, I think a little history is always helpful. Human beings have always marked time, right? Set out sometimes as being different from others. Uh, celebration, mourning, coupling, bringing forth children. So times in the life cycle, in agricultural societies, times of harvest, times of planting, right? So we have in the biblical tradition inherited time that our Jewish sisters and brothers still observe as foundational and that we have a lot to learn from, which is observing the Sabbath, right? Which is the time being divided into, into weeks. We don't even think about that. And there's a whole bunch of insights related to that, but that Christians have observed there being a week since the beginning of Christianity 
first because the very earliest Christians were also Jews, and second and central for Christians is because the day of resurrection was Sunday, the first day of the week, right? So the day after the Sabbath, the day of the new beginning. So the first division of time among Christians before we had all this season business and the first feast was a gathering on Sunday, every Sunday, to celebrate the resurrection, to remember the full life and the death and the rising and everlasting presence of Jesus with us. And then came seasons, first of all, the celebration of Easter, and then Pentecost, and then special days, remembering what some call the saints, what others would call the friends and companions of Jesus and of us, and then Christmas. And, you know, human beings are, we're we're kind of slow in figuring out what's right and the ways of God and, and learning how to pray and learning how to live. And I think in their wisdom, our spiritual ancestors made these seasons for a variety of reasons, but one of them being that you can't apprehend a mystery in one day. Right. So we celebrate the mystery of the incarnations on Christmas. And in fact, we may get to this later Christmas in some of our traditions, including the Anglican tradition of which the Episcopal Church to which I belong is a member. We celebrate Christian as a, Christmas as a season, right? 12 days of Christmas. So the first great feast and then on till the Feast of the Epiphany. But we also need time to prepare our hearts to understand a mystery. We're not, we're not dealing here with, you know, a little piece of data, a datum, right? We're dealing with a, a full-blown mystery that involves history and time and the world and the society in which we live and the whole of us are our heart our soul our mind also our bodies and so slow preparation is good i guess i'll i'll leave it at that i just wanted to go back to the marking of time. I, I like it. You know, there are traditions that don't do that as much within Christianity. I had a, a uh, still have a beloved Quaker colleague who always joked to me and say, oh, you liturgical people, because part of the gift of the uh, Society of Friends, the Quaker tradition is that we have to attend to the holiness of every day and every moment, you know, and there's no hierarchy among the days. And that's, that's a wonderful insight. And I would say I'm not uh, I'm not good enough for that. <laughs> you know, uh, I need the I need the the guideposts along the way. So mm-hmm. there's not I you know I don't come from a perspective that even though I love my own tradition and I'm very rooted in it that says there's nothing to learn from other parts of the Christian family or other religions. But I I think. It's important to mark time. We need those times when it's a celebration and when it's not a celebration, because then we look forward to it. And we need time for mourning in the same way and for sorrow or for healing. So that's my abridged, that's the 101 or the 
the Reader's Digest version on seasons and marking time. And something that God gives us, you know, we have that in the creation story about the Sabbath, and it's also something that human beings have constructed, have built with the help of God. I, I took a note, Jane, something you just said that, that I'm going to spend some time pondering as we talk, but we have to prepare our hearts to understand a mystery. Mm. And I love that as, um, as an overarching umbrella for these liturgical seasons, these mm. marking, markings of time. Because I've, I've done the other where I've run into Christmas and I guess maybe <laughs> there was no understanding happening. <laughs> it was just a day that passed and, and aware of its significance in, in, my, um, in my Christian life as a follower of Jesus, but just, and I know the last couple of years taking the time prior to um, Christmas itself to really prepare my heart. And I, and I just sense this year, and you and I talked about this because we've been talking since October or September. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we've both said this, like we've been in Advent in some way since then, because we were preparing to prepare. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just have a, I, I just, anyway, thank you for that because there's something in that that I think is really important in our understanding of why why this invitation is such a beautiful invitation that almost like God knows we need some time to sit with this. Right, right. Thank you. And, and let me say something about mystery. Mystery sometimes has been used inside the Christian tradition as well as outside it as um, uh, a way to push people into not thinking. <laughs> And that's not what I'm talking about. You know, there are people I know who, and this has happened in Protestant, Catholic, and other parts of the tradition, but uh, people I know whose religious teachers in the Catholic tradition, you know, when asked a question, would say, well, it's a mystery, you know. So I don't mean mystery in that dismissive way. I mean mystery in the sense that the Catholic tradition also has used to mean a full and rich and multidimensional reality that affects our whole being and all of creation. So I don't use mystery in the dismissive sense, and I don't use it in the sense of put your brain on hold. Right? Again, this is the bias that I bring to this conversation. The, in my own denomination or communion, we we try for a balance of reason and tradition and scripture. In the Anglican tradition, uh, we talk about the three-legged stool. I actually think our Methodist sisters and brothers may have it even better because uh, they foreground not just reason but experience, right? And there's that, that attention to, um, to the heart. So I just wanted to say that about mystery lest people think it's a, a quick fix sort of answer or a shutting down the mind. It's not that. On the contrary, it is, uh, as you said, Jody, something that requires pondering. 
And at this point in the podcast, we're going to transition and have Jane lead us in a prayer practice. And as she says, this is a practice that is a preparation for prayer itself. It is grounding the body, quieting the self, quieting the mind, focusing on the breath to prepare us to hear from God. If at any point in this prayer practice you'd like to pause and focus on the breath for a bit longer, feel free to do so. And just hit play whenever you're ready to come back. And now to Jane. Let's take some time right now to uh, slow down. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to invite us into a simple exercise that is more an entrance into prayer than prayer itself, though sometimes the border between those two is quite porous. Sit in a comfortable position for your own body. It's good if you're able to, and if you're sitting on a chair or sofa, uh, bed, uh, to sit with both your feet on the floor rather than uh, one leg crossed over the other. Again, always do what your body allows when I invite you to something modified for your own body. If you're sitting sitting cross-legged on your bed or couch or floor, um, that's good. Anywhere that your spine can be straight, but not rigid. Uh, Just so that there's room for your lungs and your belly to breathe and expand. And now if you're comfortable doing so, close your eyes. If you're not comfortable doing that, Focus your eyes on something that's just uh, in front of you, not too far in front, on the floor, the wall, but not your screen, right? So nothing that is flickering or moving. Best to close your eyes, but again, that's not something everybody's comfortable with. So just let your attention move away from things that are moving or flickering. Uh, unless it's one candle. And then simply now observe your breathing, your normal breathing. Don't change it. Don't judge it. Just observe it. We don't always take time to observe our breathing. It's always there. So as you observe this breathing that's always there, ask yourself right now, and the answer will be different for each of us because our bodies are different and our environments are different. What's your breathing like? Are you breathing right now through your nose or through your mouth or a combination of both? Are you breathing slowly or rapidly? Is your breathing regular or irregular? Is it ragged 
or smooth? Is your breathing easy? Or is it impaired for some reason that can be internal, a lung condition, or a stuffed nose, or external, something that's giving you an allergy, or car exhaust, uh, anything from inside or outside that might be impairing your breathing. Just notice. It can be difficult just to notice, to stop enough to observe, and also not to judge. Observe your breathing. Breathing is the one bodily function that we can actually control somewhat. We can't tell our digestion, do this right away. Um, we can slow down our breathing, for instance. So I invite you at this time to change your breathing in the following way. And again, whenever I give a direction or invitation that has a physical base to it, please adapt it to your own body and your own physical condition, your age. Uh, we all have different bodies. So be kind to yourself, stretch, but don't strain. So now slow your breathing down and breathe more slowly and more deeply than your normal breathing. Take slow, deep breaths. And I invite you to do this by breathing first more deeply down into the lower part of your lungs. So that's gonna require letting go of your belly. So if you've been holding your belly in, don't. We're among friends and besides, nobody's looking at you. So make lots of space. And as you breathe in slowly, breathe slowly and the lower part of your lungs will be gently pressing against your diaphragm muscle and your belly might jut out a little bit. That's good and that's fine. And you can feel your lungs expanding. If it helps you to put your hands on uh, your lower ribs, the, the floating ones, the moving ones, uh, you can do that. And remember that breathing out is also something you control. So deep breath in, hold the breath a bit, and then out as slowly as you can without getting lightheaded. And now as you breathe in, focus more on the middle part of your lungs. So that's the middle of your rib cage. You can put your hands on your rib cage if that helps. You don't have to. And breathe through into the middle part of your lungs. If you're able physically, breathe through your nose rather than your mouth. If you're not able, then breathe through your mouth or a combination of the two. But if you're able, 
do all this slow breathing through your nose. Um, one of the advantages of breathing through our noses is that our nasal passages actually will warm the breath before it gets into our lungs, uh, which is a good thing. So breathe out and uh, envision that your lungs are expanding, not just toward the front, but, and we forget this, toward the sides of your rib cage and even toward the back. Again, breathe out slowly, focusing on the middle part of your lungs and your rib cage. And now breathe in slowly, if you're able, through your nose, through the upper part of your lungs. Breathing deep in the upper part of your lungs. You'll feel this in your upper chest. You may feel this in the back also. You may feel this as high as your shoulders. And this is a good time to notice what's going on with your shoulders. Are they tense or not? When you breathe high into your lungs, does anything happen to your back? Just observe it. It will be different for each of our bodies. And now put all those three together, the breathing in through the lower and middle and upper part of your lungs, nice and slowly. And I'm going to invite you to do that in three slow, deep breaths. And each breath will go like this, breathing in through the lower part of your lungs and the middle part and the upper part. Hold a bit if you're able, and then breathe out through the lower and middle and upper part of your lungs. And even hold a bit if you can before taking the next breath. It feels like your lungs are empty, but they're not, and you'll be fine. So three slow, deep breaths. I won't say anything during those three slow, deep breaths. Breathe them at your own rhythm. Just remember that uh, everybody gets distracted. And if you get distracted and lose track of where you are in the first, second, or third breath, just gently bring your mind back away from the distraction. Just notice the distraction and come back to the three slow, deep breaths where you think you were. And that will be just fine. So three slow, deep breaths in silence. the end of the three slow deep breaths, come back to your normal breathing, whatever normal is for you. Let your lungs come back to your normal breathing. And come back to 
a stance of observing. Notice your normal breath again, and notice if there have been any changes to it. There may have, there may not have. Each body is different. Has your normal breathing changed in any way? And if so, how? Is it slower or not? Is it more regular or irregular with great gulps of air? Is it more smooth? Do you feel your shoulders and your neck in a different way? Do you feel them more? Do you feel them less? What about your back? What happens to it now when you breathe normally? Is your belly loose and comfortable as you breathe? Or is it tight? Do you have a sense of expansion in your lungs or not? Does your breathing feel like an accordion more? With the breath stretching you in and out. And just in silence, observe the breath for a little while. And I will offer a prayer at the end of this silence. Holy One of Blessing, Creator of all that is and was and is to be, our Creator, you are closer to us even than our own breath. The very word for your Holy Spirit in the languages of our ancestors are the words for breath and wind in Hebrew and Greek, in Hebrew ruach, the same breath that hovered over creation before it became fully creation, the same spirit that is with us always. You are close to us always, also, in the very person of Jesus, who took flesh and takes flesh in our midst, who came into our history and lives with us in our history, who came in a particular time and a particular place among a particular people, and who still today walks with us in our particular and diverse lives. Help us as we breathe in your memory and your presence and your inspiration to breathe in hope and to slow down in anticipation of the season of Advent in which we remember most of all 
that you are in the person of Jesus, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. It is in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Thin Space Podcast. We've put some helpful links in the show notes of this episode, including a link to Jane's blog and a four-week Advent devotional for the Thin Space community. For our next episode, we'll be continuing our conversation with Jane on Advent. If you enjoy these episodes, there are three ways you can support the Thin Space Podcast. One, Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I know I say this one every week and it may sound like a nice segue to asking for a financial gift, but it really does help. Your review could very easily be what someone reads before deciding to listen to this podcast or move on with their day. Two, share this podcast with friends and family. Whether it's a text, email, or a post on social media, we greatly appreciate you sharing this with your community. And three, give to the work of the Thin Space podcast. This podcast is made possible because of your generous financial support. If you'd like to support the work of this podcast with a tax-deductible donation, you can do so at cloudwalk.org give. May the Lord be with you in this Advent season. May you become ever more aware of his patient and impatient presence as we anticipate the birth of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm.